John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the vine, and the Father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Yes, indeed, I am forever indebted uh, to Pastor Robin. It has been, we, my wife and I have celebrated 11 years together. And uh, just so that you know, uh, we are trying. It has been 11 years. <laughs> We're so thankful for, for Pastor Robin here. I am in no illusion that while we live life, Losing steam is a reality for many of us. What does it mean by losing steam? It's experiencing the loss of energy, the loss of joy in different stages of our work, in our family life, in our social life, in our personal lives, with all the different challenges that come about. We lose steam. I recently lost steam after uh, when I travel. I, I'm not, uh, I don't do the uh, car rides for my children, but when they have soccer and art and, and, and soccer afterwards, I, I was so thankful to my wife that she does the rides because by the end, I was dead. And I was just thinking to myself, how do you do this day in and day out? At church, I'd see a couple that would walk in and they have five children and they just had twins. And as you can imagine, when they come through the front doors, they are tired. <laughs> We see a new family that walk in and, and the joys of a new child, their first child, except when they walk in, you just see it in their faces. They're tired. I meet people in the congregation and we talk about, so what did you do this past week? And 
The response is nothing. I'm retired. The lack of joy in this congregant's face was something of a challenge for me as well. So many times in our daily lives, in our lives we lose steam, and so we ask then, what is it that sustains us? What is it that places our footing on solid ground, and what is it that sustains us in the midst of life, in the midst of both the highs and the lows? What is it that sustains us in good times and difficult times, in normal times, to say the least? I'd like to propose that it is actually the joy of the Lord. It is true. The children's song, when we sing, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You can hear that tune, right? My apologies if that sticks in your head today. I hope it does. Because that is what we want to talk about this morning. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And this joy takes us to places. If anything, I want us to remember here that the overflowing joy is found in Christ and only through Christ. Amen? Everything rests upon this. You see, Jesus tells a parable here about an overflowing, the overflowing joy that comes with knowing Christ and the good news that he brings. Jesus he chooses a storytelling, allegoric communication style that is, in some contexts, can be very frustrating. In some contexts in the West, we just want to know, trust in the Lord, he will give you strength. Trust in the Lord, he will give you joy. But interesting enough, in other contexts, it is liberating because he contextualizes the passages as he communicates to his people. He, pass, he contextualizes these passages through stories. Why? Because these stories add more meaning. The imagery of the vine and the branches is a common imagery for many. But Christ uses this metaphor, this vine, branches, and fruit to get his point across and share who he really is and who we are in connection to him. Parables, as many of you know, in the Bible, the parables are heavenly truths communicated through earthly measure. Jesus is describing his role and the listener's role in the grand scale of life, a life that is lived with purpose, a life that is lived with joy, a life that is sustained as it is connected Christ, a life that is what? Developing fruit. Or a life that's missing the mark and living a life where fruit is not apparent and not developing. Jesus makes a repeated case that the importance of the relationship between the Father and Him, as frequently set forth in chapter 13 through 17, is the whole paradigm for the relationship between Jesus and his disciples through, with his son. Mainly joy through a development of fruit. A joy that is present between the father and the son and now extended in reflection to you 
and die. There's a couple of observations here that I wanted to point out that I would like us to explore this morning. In this passage, I want us to explore three main things. The first is the fullness of joy overflows when one remains in the truth. Would you look with me in chapter 15, verses 3, verses 7, and verses 12? The fullness of joy overflows when one remains in the truth, the word of God and God's commands. In verse 3, what does it say? Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. There's a clear emphasis on the finality, the surety of God's word. We then move on to verse 7 where we see, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. A fruit that reflects the joy of God. We then move because that sorry that fruit it's a transforming fruit right we then move on to verse 12 there's a clear emphasis on the direction of god right verse 12 this is my commandment that you what that you love one another as i have loved you the word of god and the laws it does not keep us wandering, but sets, us a, sets a firm foundation as to how we are to live, to thrive, and how we are filled with joy. Do we hold true to the word of God in our lives personally and corporately as a church? Can we strive to uphold the full counsel of God that is written in God's word in our personal lives as well as in the way we function as a body? Yes. We may answer yes, but we can always seek to continuously remind ourselves. An encouraging thing right now this morning as we were heard, as we heard of what this church is about, the word was a clear emphasis. We stand upon a sure and unmoving foundation that has the power to transform, challenge, and give direction. May we experience the joy of being in God's word today. See, there's something about the surety and joy in standing upon God's word that does not change, that does not alter. In 1999, there was a missionary family in India called the Stains, Gladys and Graham Stains. And they worked amongst the Hindu leper community. And in 99, uh, Gladys' husband, Graham Stains, um, was in a village spending a night with his two sons, Philip and Timothy, who at that time were 10 and 6 years old. And in a majority Hindu community, um, they burned the car, and Graham and Philip and Timothy um, perished. There's a movie that came out in 2019 called The Least of These. And right after news came out that um, the stains, Graham Stains and his, and his two sons um, 
had perished, the local media and the world media took um, word of this and they interviewed uh, Gladys um, in her home. And uh, this is what she says. She says, I am sad, but I forgive them. When she was asked why, she responds, because the word of God assures me of their destiny. It gives me strength to forgive because God forgave me first. And I will continue to stay to do what I have been asked to do by God. And then the reporter asks, and what was that? What is that? And she says, love God's people. May we celebrate the word of God for the word of God remains true. We see here an example of a woman deep in sorrow, but found, founded and grounded on the joy of God's word and the promises that come through God's word. The second point that I want to point out through this passage is the fullness of joy overflows when one remains in Christ, submits to Christ. In our passage, as we were reading, there's a word that kept on coming up. If you don't know this, if the Bible mentions something once, it's important. If it mentions it twice, it's very important. If it mentions it more, more, and more, that means it's very important. In this passage, we hear the words abiding in Christ constantly. Just here, verses 1 through 17, it comes out nine plus times. Abide in me, abide in Christ holding on, submitting to Christ as one remains in Christ. Holding on because Christ is the one that sustains our life. Would you look with me in verse 5, what it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Is it far-fetched to say that we are called to hold on to Christ with dear life then? Without Christ, everything becomes meaningless. This repetition of abide in Greek, it's meno, right? And it's actually, it gives this idea of remaining in the same place with Christ, but it's over a period of time. It's not just a one-time remain in Christ. But what the passage is teaching us is we are called to remain in Christ over extended period of, of time. Abiding in Christ is remaining in Christ for an extended period of time to gain the reflective benefits, the joy of Christ as he receives that joy in his relationship with the Father. So, what do we get then? In verses 4 through 8, we get the fruit, the fruit that brings us joy, that brings God joy, and that bring God's, brings God glory. Verses 8. In verses 16, it says, a fruit that is lasting, that is not temporary. This joy is continuously present, 
both in highs and in lows. Abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ for an extended period of, of time creates fruit that lasts forever. For it does not, this joy does not flow from us, but flows from knowing Christ. So what does it mean? No matter how much we try to stop ourselves from losing steam, in our own strength, we will constantly be losing steam. But brothers and sisters, as we remain in Christ, as we abide in Christ, may we experience the joys of Christ daily. The one thing about remaining or abiding is that it needs to be in a place with someone where one wants to be. When one experiences a joy, a belonging, a safety, a purpose, it's hard to, to leave that behind. Christ points out that abiding in him fulfills his joy for us through what? The fruit. And once we taste that fruit in our lives as we come before God and we realize the place of our need and the lack of nothing apart from Christ, and tasting that, then, do we seek to remain in Christ over a period of time, extended period of time, where we find rest, where we find purpose, where we find strength? Or do we remain in Christ in phases, in maybe life phases, in times of convenience, when time may be available? If we recall the joy in abiding in Christ, we must remember to continue to abide in him to experience the overflowing joys that this brings. If we don't, then the joy that we experience, the joy in Christ oftentimes become short-lived and we're constantly seeking this emptiness to be filled. There is an extended joy in this meaning when we continue to seek to abide in Christ. Oftentimes, others may look at believers who seek out to abide in Christ to be a very unwise thing. You're spending time on Sunday morning to come here out of all places. You're spending time out of your own personal time to reach out to your brothers and sisters, to invest in others, to join others in cafes, to invite people to the table. And for some people, it may be seen as foolishness. Others, it may be seen as what else is going on. But brothers and sisters, when we know why we extend the love of Christ as a reflection of what he has done for us, knowing that in this overflowing joy, that we seek to remain in Christ, then it comes perfectly doable as we seek to live this life. 
um, many of you may, may remember this, but in the Discovery Channel, I'm not sure if it's still on because I don't have cable. There's a program called Dirty Jobs. You know, Dirty Jobs? And it, um, it's a program that goes all across the world. And in this specific um, show, it's a dirty, people that have dirty jobs, right? And they, was, they were interviewing a guy uh, that was, his dirty job was to clean the London, London underground sewage system. So he would every day go to work, go underground, and clean the sewer systems for London. And he had done it for 25 years. And then the host goes with him to clean the sewer system one day on his, on his, on his work, right? And it's, it's, it's funny because the, the, the production team going down are just terrified to go underground and seeing all the waste from London coming through these tunnels. And what his job was to just clean it, right, day in and day out. And it, it stood out to me because he loved his job. And he says, and, and he says, I love my job. I am happy because I have a purpose. And what is this purpose? It keeps the city clean from disease, from spreading. 25 years. His experience of loving his job, happiness in his job, to clean the tunnels for 25 years. Why? Because he had a purpose. He saw the outcome in the same way our outcome in abiding in Christ, brothers and sisters, the fruit that brings God glory and fruit that has not only now implications, but eternal implications are the joys that flow out of remaining in Christ. May we be a people that yearns to abide in Christ, to produce kingdom fruit in our lives and in our work therefore experiencing his joy when we start to feel like we are losing steam. And finally, a fullness of joy overflows when one proclaims the love of Christ, the gospel. Look at verse 12 and 13. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Love one another as I have loved you. And this is what I have done. Christ projects his sacrifice of the cross to mankind. And then he's saying, you do the same. Reach out and you do the same. This good news is asked to be proclaimed to one another. In verse 16, it says, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Interestingly, the passage does not differentiate the go and bear fruit, proclaiming the love of Christ to only the lost. Rather, it's pointed to the goer to love one another to both the lost and the found. We see in verse 16, it clearly states that Christ has appointed you, O believer, that you should go. It points to a joy received, a joy proclaimed, and a joy that is sustained. If the passage is indeed calling us 
to go and to preach the good news, the love of Christ to not only others, to each other, but also to ourselves, then what does this joy have in sustaining us? It's challenging us to soak ourselves in the gospel, the good news. How much of the gospel is a part of our lives? Are we marinated or marinating in the gospel that allows us to love one another? Or is it just a Sunday experience or a sometime experience? Brothers and sisters, the fullness of the joy of the Lord fills us when we marinate ourselves in gospel activity, in proclaiming the love of Christ to others, to each other, to ourselves. And as that overflows then, it then overflows even to the closest roommate we have in our families, our children, and so on. Um, I lead a catechism class at our church, uh, a family catechism class, and, and um, we went over this, the, the question of, uh, the, uh, since no one can keep the law and all of God's command perfectly, what is its purpose? And, um, and it's the whole idea of the level of trust that we have on the truth of God. If God says it, do we believe it and do we follow it, right? Basically straightforward. And so in this catechism class, I have a session where we all gather together and I take the children, all the children off to the side while the parents are eating, I'll just take the children and I do the same catechism um, question and, and teaching that I do for the parents. While we do it with the parents, the children then go and to the gym. But I do a, a catechism class for the, to, for the young children and these children are, are starting from three to like fourth grade, right? So you can imagine the conversation that takes place. And we, we go through this question. I talk to them about what it means to obey God's laws and, and help them to understand that this is not just a stick, but actually it relates very closely to the love that we have and the trust that we have of God and how he's shown that to us. And I said, okay, guys, we're going to end. Let's pray. And Miles, he's four years old. He's like, I'm going to pray. And I was like, okay, pray. And this is what he says. He says, help us to obey your commands and be happy when you tell us what to do. Because you know everything. And I was like, that's awesome. But that childlike faith was really challenging for me. Why? Because you know everything. See, that trust was really challenging for me. Brothers and sisters, may that be the same for you and I of childlike faith. To trust that overflowing joy comes when we stay and abide with Christ. I conclude with this, brothers and sisters. May we be a people that thrives and thrives in the overflowing joy of our Savior that is extended to each one of us. 
The passage this, this, this morning, it clearly points out to the fullness of joy realized through three key aspects. And let me recap. One, the fullness of joy overflows when we stand upon the word of truth. We hold the word of truth to be true. Two, the fullness of joy overflows as we strive to abide, remain in Christ as our source of life and fruit. And finally, fullness of joy overflows as we seek to share the love of Christ, the good news to others and to ourselves. And may this joy gives us strength through those times where we feel like we're losing steam. Will you pray with me? Our gracious Father, we thank you so much for this passage this morning. Thank you for the encouragement that it gives us that we are a people in need of grace. We are a people that lose steam very, very easily, very frequently. We are a people that needs your strength. Father, we recognize that as we are connected to the vine, and as we seek you, we recognize that that gives us the joy that play takes us to places of great thankfulness, of great rest. Father, as, as we heard this morning through, through prayer and, and the concerns and, and the pain and the loss of those of us in this church, Lord, we pray that these words may extend true that it may find the encouragement to each one of those in, in, in this congregation that are hurting, those in this congregation that are and are that are and have lost esteem and are just tired. May this find new strength and new joy in this, Lord. We thank you in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.